Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Just think about it with me for a moment, and I don't like to let my mind go there, but for the purposes of analyzing this case, I am. You put all your love, all your dreams, all your energy, all your time, all your money into your children. You try to Push them in every way that you can. You help them on their merit badges, on their math test, make them eat vegetables. And this goes on year after year after year. You finally get them to college. You know where I'm going with this, right? A gorgeous co-ed shot dead. A college senior was sitting in her car eating fries when she is shot 10 times. Killer on the loose. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Who murdered Allie? Take a listen to this. Fear, sadness, and anger after an apparent random act of violence. An LSU student shot dead on Government Street in downtown East in Baton Rouge. She was trapped by a passing train when someone opened fire in the middle of the night. Allie Rice was shot multiple times and died in the front seat of her car. Police aren't sure right now who did it. There's no sign anything was stolen. Police have been working the streets all day canvassing that area. We have talked to businesses along Government Street who say they have turned over surveillance video to detectives. 21-year-old Allison Rice was found shot to death inside of her car in downtown Baton Rouge and her murder happening just three miles away from LSU where she attended. The 21-year-old was returning from an arcade Friday morning when she was shot to death multiple times inside her car. The gunman and their motive both remain a mystery. You are hearing our friends at WBRZ and News Nation. But now take a listen again to Katie Easter. 
21-year-old Allison Rice, who went by Allie, was found shot to death in her car. She was a senior at LSU, studying marketing, and attended Dutchtown High School, where she was a cheerleader. Yeah, I know it was like a loud, loud, loud sound. People who live in the area heard the gunfire, but didn't see anything. Sources say they believe Rice was turning around at the tracks as a train came by. That's when someone shot her multiple times through her windshield. I, really, I heard the train, but I didn't, I, I didn't pay no mind to the train. I paid to the gunshot. A senior at LSU studying marketing, cheerleader at Dutchtown High, minding her own business in her own car, probably with the doors locked, eating french fries. And now she's dead. Now, how do you tell that to Allie's parents? With me, an all-star panel uh, to make sense of what we know right now. But speaking of telling Allie's parents, who gets that job? Who was sent early, early in the morning to Allie's parents' front door and to give them the news, their girl is dead. Take a listen to Allie's dad speaking with our friend, Martha McCallum. We received a ring on the doorbell at 4.45 a.m. You know, we woke up to our dog barking and the doorbell ringing. You know, cops have showed up in the middle of the night before for various reasons, you know, things going on in the neighborhood and all. But when they asked, are you Allison's father? Can we come in, please? You know, you knew at that point that it was going to be something terrible. This should not have happened. Should not have happened. Should not have happened. happened. She's a beautiful child. She had one year left to graduate LSU. She had her whole future ahead of her. Just so devastating there. Investigators say that prior to the shooting, Rice had been with friends at a business in Mid-City. It's unclear what happened between the time that she left and when she was gunned down. Let's go straight out to Chris Nakamoto, Chief Investigative Reporter, WBRZ-TV on Facebook. You can find him at Chris Nakamoto, WBRZ. Chris, thank you for being with us. Let's just start at the very beginning. We got a lot to get through. Chris, tell me what happened when Allie was shot. This murder has really rocked this community to the core. This is the type of street where murders don't happen. She was leaving an arcade had stopped at a railroad track, literally a stone's throw from downtown Baton Rouge. And you literally, there's a train that's coming by. And from what police have told us, gunman approaches and just opens fire on her car. Okay, wait a minute. You just told me something I didn't know, Chris Nakamoto. Chris is joining us from WBRZ. You said a gunman approached her car. So this is not a case of uh, wrong place wrong time uh they saw who they were shooting did the gunman actually approach her car our sources are saying that a gunman or gunman arrived on foot and shot through her window killing her i I just this girl a marketing major cheerleader scrubbed in sunshine gunned down by unknown assailants as she's in her car trying to turn around the car at a train track and munch it on fries? I, I, It's not computing to me. And something else you said, Chris Nakamoto, and I'm not going to kill the messenger, but Mona Kay joining me uh, 
high-profile private investigator with Mona Kay Investigations out of Omaha on Twitter, at Mona Kay. Mona, did you hear Chris Nakamoto say this is a neighborhood where people don't get shot? Right. Mm -hmm. He's right. He's right. Statistically, there's not a lot of shootings there, but the reality is crime invades every neighborhood. I mean, you're beating the street every single day on your cases as a PI, private investigator. And I bet you investigate all over every area of town. Yes, no. Yes, that's true. In areas that most people wouldn't assume that there's a lot of crime, um, I see it all the time. And also, there was a witness that was parked on the other side of the railroad tracks that witnessed two men pass his car, go between the train um, boxes, and approach um, Allie's car. Okay, you know what? You're giving me a flashback. I have read every single Agatha Christie that has been written. And, you know, they do the books and the movie might be named something else. And then the book might be re-released years later under a different name. But I read it as what Ms. McGillicuddy saw. And it's between trains. Her train went that way and she saw a murder when the train went that way. And it's very hard to see. But what you're, you know, what you're telling me, you can see as the train goes by through the train cars. Wow. Tell me about that, Chris Nakamoto. We know that when police arrived on the scene after, you know, the shooting happened, that they processed the scene for hours. They have been very tight-lipped about what type of evidence they collected at the scene. But my sources are saying that there was a number of uh, pieces of evidence that were collected and are being tested. Hopefully, our crime lab here in Louisiana um, that operates under the umbrella of Louisiana State Police can get a rush on some of that to see if they can get a return to hopefully try to connect the dots to see if there's any sort of DNA matches. We do know yesterday the district attorney announced that the feds have also joined in the investigation, the DEA, ATF, and the FBI, in hopes of trying to all put their minds together to solve who committed this heinous murder. Okay, well, let's go to the other experts joining us. I've introduced Chris Nakamoto, WBRZ, on the story from the beginning, Mona Kay from Mona Kay Private Investigations in Omaha. But I want to go now to a longtime friend and colleague, Dr. Michelle Dupre, forensic pathologist, medical examiner, detective, and author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide. Dr. Dupree, I want to talk to you about what Chris Nakamoto, WBRZ, just said. He said they took hours to process the scene. Hours. You know, what makes a scene like this even more difficult is that it's outdoors. I've processed scenes with crime investigators uh, outdoors before. I'm just, what comes to mind is a playground uh, and housing project. The whole thing was covered with Broken glass, uh, used condoms, uh, hypodermic needles, little glassine bags. And we were looking for a shell casing. And uh, we found one. But long story short, Dr. Dupree, the the pitfalls of an outdoor crime scene, explain. Nancy, there are so many. I mean, first of all, there is so much um, 
other information. There's so much other debris. You're not sure what is um, relevant and what isn't. And so you can't take the chance that you're going to miss something. So you end up picking up a lot more evidence sometimes than you're really going to be able to use or that's pertinent to the case. In addition, you have the weather to worry about. You have all sorts of other um Again, debris, whether it's foreign DNA or whether it's other, you know, people's fingerprints or tire prints or whatever it might be, there is oftentimes just so much to sift through and know what's really important and what to take. And thinking about DNA and fingerprints, okay, if they shot through the window, Dr. Dupree, unless they touched the car, which maybe they did, I mean, Chris Nakamoto, how close did they get to the car? See, those are questions that police have not answered, but we do know they fired on her car at least 10 times. Good Lord in heaven. Hold on, hold on. Dr. Dupree, put, let this percolate for a moment. I want to talk about uh, how prints can be found on shell casings. Casings, uh, can they be found on bullets? If they got close enough to the car, if they touched the car, how you process that scene. But Dr. Angie Arnold, percolate on that, Dr. Dupree. Dr. Angela Arnold joining me, renowned psychiatrist, joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. You can find her at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Dr. Angie, 10 rounds or more? What is that telling you? Look, this is not some jilted boyfriend. Didn't you say there was more than one assailant, Chris, or did you say that? We heard from our sources that there was possibly one or two people that approached the vehicle. Police have been very tight-lipped about what they've released so far. I understand. They don't want to get too much information out there that could somehow uh, harm the integrity of the investigation. Okay. Still, we know 10 rounds, Chris. Do we know that? That is what our sources are saying. At least 10. Dr. Angie, this is just a girl. She's a college student. She's been at an arcade with her other girlfriends. She's eating fries. How many times, Angie, have you sat at the red light with some fries or, I don't know, in your case, maybe some pate, I don't know, but, and minding your own business, and then out of the blue, yes. Every day, Nancy, we do it every day, don't we? Driving down Peachtree, it sounds like it was an execution. I wonder if they even knew who they were shooting. I'm just telling you, this, this girl is too young to be the victim of a, an orchestrated execution. What more do we know? Take a listen now to our friends at ABC 13 Houston. There is an urgent manhunt in Louisiana for an LSU student's killer. Police are now coming through evidence to try to find out who shot and killed 21-year-old Alice Rice in Baton Rouge. Last Friday, Rice stopped for a train crossing and was approached by someone who simply opened fire at least a dozen times there into her windshield. Glass and other markings suggest she was trying to turn around when she died. There are still no leads in this case. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Wendy Patrick joining me, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags. That's on Amazon. You can find her at wendypatrickphd.com. She's also the host of Today with Dr. Wendy, KCBQ San Diego. Wendy, thanks for being with us. Wendy, I'm just imagining what happened, and I'm wondering if 
she saw these guys or guy coming and she tried to turn around. Mm-hmm. Or if she was turning around because it was a train track and she didn't want to wait on the train. She could have gotten a sixth sense because this was, you know, they, they played it. They all played at this arcade till after midnight. So it's pitch dark and she's stuck at a train track. I mean, Wendy Patrick, have you ever, uh, it's happened to me. I remember jogging on a really long road by railroad tracks and there was nothing around and it hit me. You of all people know better than to do this. I just got a feeling and I turned around and started going the other way, going back toward home. And I wonder if she was sitting there and went, what? It's after midnight. I'm here alone in my car at a train that's going to take forever to get by. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I wonder if she got a sixth sense and was turning around. What do you think happened based on what we know? And now we're hearing uh, Chris Nakamoto possibly 12 bullets. But, but go ahead, Wendy. It seems like situational awareness really kicked in if that's in fact what she was doing. You know, we're supposed to have our heads on a swivel regardless of where we are. But especially if it's middle of the night, you're at an you know, area, even if you're familiar with it. You know, Chris brought up the great point of, oh, not in my backyard. It's a safe community. We don't have murders here. But, you know, if this beautiful young woman lived there, she probably knew there were, in fact, elements to be dangerous and the things that she should be aware of. It sounds like mistaken identity. I also think it sounds like an, an execution, an assassination. And you wonder whether or not she heard something. That was my first thought that caused her to look around and make sure she was safe. And sadly, we know what happened and we're at the end of that one. Chris Nakamoto, WBRZ. I also learned from some of our sources that she was shot through the, quote, wind screen of her car. Are they trying to say the front windshield? Yes, that's what we are understanding as well. But the bullets entered in her abdomen area from what we're being mm-hmm. told. The district attorney um, told us the key piece that they're trying to figure out was was she trying to turn around when she saw the train and was stopped there, or was she trying to turn around after she saw the gunman approach? And so they're trying to piece that together. Obviously, they said that there wasn't surveillance video right there. Just going to ask you that. They've come through the area, going to multiple businesses, and I know for a fact that they are going through some videos in hopes of trying to piece together what happened. To Dr. Michelle Dupree joining us, uh, medical pathologist, examiner, and detective. What do you make of the shots coming through the windshield, the front windshield, but she shot in the abdomen that have to be shooting down directly at her? Well, Nancy, it can be a couple of things. Of course, the shots coming through what we would call an intermediate target would be the windshield. So it's going to deflect that bullet in some other direction. It's also going to cause more damage because the bullet will have expanded hitting that initial target. And so when it would hit her, unfortunately, it would be a much more devastating injury. I want to go to something though that, that you've been talking about. Um, she may have seen the people coming, so she may have tried to turn around. This is very, it's a very interesting case because it could be personal because they'd have to know who, when, and where she was. It could also be something like a gang initiation. Or if it's really, truly random, this is very scary because those are the most hard cases to even try to solve when it truly is random. Guys, we're learning a little bit more. This is from Unfiltered with Kieran. 
And it is a quote from an alleged witness. I was bringing my friend home who lives on Government Street. When we got on Government, we came to the train tracks and the train was at a complete stop. Not even 10, I hate it when the train does that. Not even 10 minutes later, two guys walked past my car wearing dark clothes with long sleeves, one wearing a red hoodie, the hoodie over his head, uh, mid-20s, both of them 5'10 to 5'11". At this time, her vehicle pulled up. This is Allison's Alley Silver SUV. These two guys walked past my vehicle, the train still at a stop, walking through the cars of the train to get across the tracks. Ten minutes went by. I heard gunshots, multiple gunshots. I could still see her car parked. As soon as the shots went off, she tried to turn around, and then she just stopped. I could not tell where the shots were coming from, but I knew they were very close to me. I ended up backing out and leaving. That's more of what we know right now. Guys, the police are issuing a desperate plea for help. Take a listen to our friends at WDBJ. Police are pleading with the public, if anyone has information regarding this case, to please come forward. We're asking for anyone that has any information regarding the death of of this young lady pick up the phone call crime stoppers 344-7867 back to dr michelle dupree author of homicide investigation field guide what about the possibility of any kind of prints full or partial on shells or bullets well you're not going to find any prints on the bullets themselves on the shells, there is a relatively new technique where it has been possible um, to find prints on the shells, but you have to do it very carefully. Um, we found that the oils will oftentimes leave a very small etching on the casing of the shell. Um, so it, it would be, you've got to find those shells, and hopefully they would. And uh, the problem with the bullet, if you've ever seen a bullet that's already been fired, even if someone did touch the bullet... The problem is uh, the bullet becomes deformed once it hits anything. It's going at such a high velocity, it crumples up like a paper cut when it hits. Not always, but a lot of times, you can't get a print off of that. Um, to Mona Kay, private investigator, joining us for Mona Kay Investigations, what do you make of what we're learning now? Well, I think it's interesting that if it was a random shooting, it passed the first car that the witness um, you know, described, passed his car, went to her car, and then he describes, you know, roughly 10 minutes of time went by before he heard gunshots. You know, I'm wondering what was going on in that amount of time. For some reason, Mona Kay, I took the witness to be a male. Don't know why. I don't know why. But I'm wondering if they went up to Allie's car, saw a lone female, and tried Mm -hmm. to get in the car to rape her or rob her, and she started backing out, and then they fired on her. Maybe they were trying to get in her car. Right. Because that would explain right. why her and not the witness. Why did they walk past the witness's car and pick out her car? Um, guys, I want you to now take a listen to our friends again at WDBJ7. Officials with the East Baton Rouge Parish Coroner's Office are ruling her death a homicide, saying she died from multiple gunshot wounds. As investigators found her dead inside of her vehicle near the railroad tracks on Government Street, 
A suspect and motive in this one remain unknown at this time. To Chris Nakamoto, Chief Investigative Reporter, WBRZ-TV. Chris, tell me about that rail crossing. Uh, You don't really see a lot of residential homes facing a train track, which would mean, if that's true, there's not going to be any, for instance, ring doorbells catching it. What's around the train track? To give you a scene setter, that area has gone through a huge amount of redevelopment over the last five to ten years. Um, a huge gentrification. There were a bunch of old buildings that were there that have now become, you know, restaurants. And there's a lot of nightlife in that area. It's a great place to be to bring your family. And so for something like this to happen, that is why this community is reeling. Because they don't feel safe in a situation that they want to take their families And then you also have the situation where she's from. She's from 20 miles from south of Baton Rouge in an area of uh, Ascension Parish called Geismar. And so you have that area of the community that's also reeling from her death. This was a good girl. And Baton Rouge police told us that they do believe that this was a random act of violence, which makes things particularly scary because if this was random, you now have these monsters that are out on looming in the public that could do it to somebody else. You know, Chris Nakamoto, I'm trying to figure out anything about surveillance video or ring doorbell. I know there was not a surveillance video at the crossing itself. I'd also be curious if they have recovered her cell phone. I mean, let's just say, let's hypothesize, let's spin it out to its logical conclusion, Chris. If these two guys, and the witness says there were two, one in a red hoodie, both in dark clothing. What if they tried to get in her car and she took their picture? I mean, does anybody on the panel, have you ever seen someone speeding or they do something crazy and you snap a picture of their, their license tag? I, I do it all the time. Or if I see something unusual, uh, I do. Yeah, Nancy, just jump in, Wendy. Both personally and professionally, that is a very modern way of documenting crime. You know, citizens are law enforcement's eyes and ears on the ground. And that is one of the ways that we contribute to crime prevention within our own communities. This young woman, I mean, that would fit right into the type of a pattern that we might expect. We might expect her to be savvy enough, especially if it's a, a safe area, to see something and then document it in preparation for saying something. We see it all the time, Wendy. Yep. I want to get my hands on that cell phone. Hey, Chris Nakamoto, following up on what uh, Wendy Patrick said, host of Today with Dr. Wendy, Chris Nakamoto, was anything taken from her that we know of? Nothing was taken. Absolutely nothing was taken, which is why police are so stumped. They don't know whether or not this was an attempted carjacking, whether it was an attempted robbery, because nothing was taken from her vehicle. They don't know if the killer shot her and then got spooked or couldn't get into her car because a lot of cars lock when you um, put the vehicle in drive these days. And so they don't know if they shot her, tried to get in and couldn't get in and then got spooked and took off running. But nothing was missing. Looking at a picture of her right now holding a puppy dog. What a smile. Her parents obviously also invested in braces. She's got this beautiful million-dollar smile. Already had an internship lined up uh, for when she got out. Great grades. The works. Uh, Back to you, Chris Nakamoto. At this location, do you think that there were surveillance cameras on the backs 
um, any of these restaurants and bars you were talking about? So we know that there's audio. We obtained audio over the weekend that sounds that you hear the gunshots and some screeching, but the audio is just audio. There's no video. And so we know that police were out on bicycles. They were handing out bicycles on Friday for their detectives to literally ride that whole area looking for video. And we know that there are a number of bars and restaurants that do have videos. I'm looking specifically at a white building to the left of the crime scene. There's a white building and it looks to be some sort of a... um, You know how you see like a bus stop with a little roof on it? One of those may be nearby. What kind of train was this, by the way? So we have a lot of industry in Baton Rouge, especially on the northern end. So when we talk about train, we're not talking about passenger rail. These are tanker cars, um, things like that, that are going to and from on that industrial section. Yes, cargo. So there wouldn't be a whole lot of witnesses around standing at a, a train stop, like a bus stop, waiting uh, I'm looking at a picture of her now on homecoming court. Just, oh, talk about scrubbed in sunshine. Well, of course, the family is devastated. Listen. What does your gut tell you about what happened that night in her car? Hey, the only thing that I can really think at this point is it's a, a bad case of wrong place at the wrong time. Um you know, she's not anyone that had enemies. We don't think that she was being stalked or followed. They really don't have an explanation at this point. They're trying to find some type of video footage, some kind of surveillance. Uh, They're going further back down the road to, you know, maybe check those cameras, see if someone was following or seeing if they can see, you know, maybe people walking in the area or something that that could have been involved in this. But as of now, that particular stretch of town, they don't have the surveillance that's necessary. You are hearing um, Allie's father. I don't know how he has the strength uh, to even speak. Uh, He's talking to our friend Martha McCollum on Fox News. I guess he's propelled uh, by seeking justice for his daughter, Allie. Stories with Nancy Grace. You know, I know that she was eating fries, uh, Dr. Michelle Dupree, because when her body was found still sitting in her car, she was still in her seat with the fries in her lap. It's not like she was doing anything to intimidate or threaten her shooters in no way at all. That, that's right, Nancy. I mean, this is someone who is, you know, stopped at a train track, minding their own business, eating fries on their way home. I mean, this was senseless and, I mean, just absolutely absurd attack on an innocent person. And if, can I jump in? This is Mona. It, and it's very excessive, the shooting. What do you mean? I mean, the number of shots that were fired. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. As the roadside memorial grows on Government Street near the spot where 21-year-old LSU student Allie Rice was shot and killed early Friday morning, questions still linger from the community on what happened. 
Lieutenant Don Coppola with BRPD tells me the motive at this time is still unclear to investigators. Rice was found dead inside her bullet-riddled car near the train tracks on Government Street, close to Eddie Robinson Drive. Police say if you're uneasy about what happened, you can use alternate routes. The heartbroken father of a slain college senior is pleading for help tracking down the killer. It's a great day to be a Griffin. 21-year-old Allie Rice was shot multiple times through the windshield of her car when it was stopped at a railroad crossing while she was on her way home in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The marketing major from Louisiana State University had been on a night out with friends. She was eating fries when a barrage of bullets hit her. You're hearing not only the voice of Allie Rice, she was saying it's a great day to be a Griffin. That was her voice. You're not only hearing Inside Edition, but our friend Miranda Thomas at WDBJ7. Straight back out to you, Chris Nakamoto. Tell me about what is being done to find Allie's killers. The district attorney told us yesterday it's an all-hands-on-deck thing. I mean, they have not stopped from the moment that she was killed. You have all the intelligence divisions that are keeping their ear to the ground. They are working overtime. You now have the ATF, DEA, FBI all joining in the investigation. You have all of BRPD having multiple meetings talking about Did you say the DEA is involved? Yes. That's interesting. What do you make of that, Wendy Patrick, that the DEA is involved? What I make of it is that there's more to the investigation than they're able to tell us because, as you noted earlier, they don't want to compromise the integrity of ongoing leads. So they're probably following up on other leads, other information and intel that came in from other sources. But it is very interesting. And, and, you know, our ears perk up when we hear an agency like that was called in with what originally looked like just some sort of a murder investigation. It's never that straightforward. There's always more to the story. I will never forget uh, the first triple homicide I prosecuted, Wendy. I was out working night and day, 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. At, at that playground I was talking about earlier, that is where the triple homicide went, went down. Three young boys, really young, like um, 15, 16, 17, were shot dead around uh, midnight, 11.30 p.m. on a Sunday night on that playground. And uh, I, I found out well into the investigation, nobody wanted to talk because they were afraid that the feds had a DEA investigation going at the same time. And, of course, the feds would not share any information at all, no matter how much I begged. I think they were letting me do their dirty work for them, and I did. So when you bring in the feds, the DEA Drug Enforcement Agency and the FBI, there, I, I think you're right, Wendy, there's more going on than meets the eye. Of course, the parents absolutely devastated take a listen to our friends at inside edition speaking to Allie's dad Allie always had a smile on her face (laughs) she posted videos dancing with her dad how close were you she video messages me at work you know, all day long, and we spend a lot of time together. Her slaying is baffling police, and no motive or suspects have been named. Have police given you any idea who who could have done this? At this point, there's, there's really not any leads. Okay, let me go back to you, Dr. Angela Arnold. Help me out. Give me your analysis. My analysis from what I've heard today 
is that this was a random act of violence in all likelihood perpetrated by some sort of gang initiation. I can't imagine anything that this beautiful girl did to bring this on herself. She was just a completely unlucky victim in this, and it's hideous. When you hear the words from police saying, quote, she's with the coroner now, she didn't make it. It's the most devastating words you can ever hear. That's a quote from her father, Paul Rice. The family, Paul, her stepmom, Kay Rice, her mother, Angela, her stepfather, Travis, devastated. I I, I can't even imagine. Dr. Angie, we always hear, you should never have to bury your child. I hate to even say the words because all I can think of are my children, John, David, and Lucy. And, you know, Dr. Angie, I thought I knew everything about grief and mourning and devastation when my fiancé was murdered. Now that I have children, I can't imagine anything worse than having your child murdered. Well, because, Nancy, as you said, all we do our entire lives... Having your child die in any way. I just can't even imagine that. But, But murdered and shot multiple times... You know, she may have been unrecognizable. We don't know. It was a horrific Mm. way for that beautiful girl to die. And I'm not sure how any parent ever truly gets over that, Nancy, because we spend our entire lives trying to protect them. We open that little door to give them some freedom when they go to college, and then she's getting ready to graduate from college. We've done everything just beautifully, and then something like this befalls her. Really, a parent's blessings and duties are never really over. Here she is about to graduate and start an internship out in the big bad world, and this has to happen to their baby. And she's all, your, your children are always your babies, aren't they? <sighs> They're always your babies. My little girl turns 19. Mm. I still see her as my baby. Mm-hmm. And, I, and hearing this story, I'm scared. I, you're always scared to death that something like that could happen to your own child. Because it's out there. It's out there in this mean world that we live in now. I want you to hear Allie. Take a listen to our friends from News Nation. The family distraught over who could have killed a young woman whose love of life they call contagious. Allison Nicole Rice, and I'm going to wake up at 8.30 tomorrow and have coffee with my lovely roommates because that's just what I want to do. It's a hole that will never be filled. Rice's Uncle Mike spoke with News Nation today. He says the family has been given no answers. Allie had no bad blood, no enemies. Um, we, we truly think it's a random act of violence. Some monsters just take the life of some poor, pure, innocent child. At the time of Rice's shooting, police believe the LSU senior was stopped waiting for a train to pass. Guys, take a listen to our friends, WAFB. While many parents greeted their graduates after today's Orso College of Business ceremony, the parents of Allie Rice walk out with just her diploma in hand. This is a difficult day. uh, Today is three months to the day uh, of Allie's murder. This was a day we were all looking forward to for her, Uh, to to honor her for all her hard work and what it would take to, to actually graduate from college. And, you know, she had that day stolen from her, as did we. 
Ali's father, her mother, step-parents, brother, and two roommates attended today's graduation where Ali received her degree posthumously. Paul Rice says today is a difficult day during a difficult time of year. I think we focus a lot more on our positive memories of Allie. Uh, you know, this time of year, a lot of those things pop up. You know, uh, a lot of people are remembering her. A lot of people are reaching out and all of that helps. But sticking together helps them get through the hard days. We just try to take everything one day at a time right now. We're waiting on you know, any kind of answers, any kind of hope. Rice says he has not been told any updates on the investigation into his daughter's murder. It's almost worse when the act is random because it's kind of like your whole life is devastated by the luck of the draw. The tip line, 225-344-7867. Repeat, 225 344 Seven eight six seven. Our prayers with Allie's family as we pray the killers are brought to justice. Goodbye, friend.